Hello, welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. This is your host, George Muniz Gund. Today, I have another returning guest on the podcast, uh, Michelle Markman, neurodivergent coach. You might remember Michelle from episode 75. Um, Today, I have Michelle back on the podcast to talk a little bit about accommodations for some executive dysfunction, self-advocacy skills as well. Uh, Without further ado, welcome back, Michelle. So I wanted to ask you, my first question is basically like, what are some of the main struggles in terms of executive functioning that people come to you with? um, And uh, what are some of the main things that you tend to to recommend uh, in terms of self-accommodations and um, also advocacy and depending on the situation but um, yeah I think first of all like what are some of those main concerns that people have I think the biggest challenges that I see in my clients are around you know the major executive functioning things like self-care tasks, remembering to do things that a neurotypical person might think are very simple and habitual, like brushing your teeth and remembering to wash your face, put on sunscreen in the morning. Um, Time management is a big one. So being able to be on time places, you know, and managing how to actually get up in the morning if you're not a morning person and you have trouble waking up when you're alarmed goes off um and you know creating habits or creating structures that help you to have a system whereas like a neurotypical person would just have their habits we have to sort of create a system of habits to follow in order to really take care of ourselves to meet our needs and to do things like show up on time places. I see. Um, and so what are like some of the, the main things that have been helpful for like certain, for people in like certain, how in turn, do you get a lot of people, um, that, that are like in school or is it mostly like with, um, with people with like uh with work that they have to ask that they're like struggling with so i get a broad range of ages Mm -hmm. i work with all age clients um you know i have clients from 15 to 50 so it really just depends i help my clients through transition periods a lot of the time so there's a lot of transitions that happen across the lifetime And I see the same challenges that come up when we're going through difficult or transitional times. When things are changing, we're going through a lot of changes. We have external changes, um, you know, especially around things like starting high school or going to a new high school or, you know, your children becoming teenagers and dealing with that transition or going to college and learning how to manage your schedule and taking care of yourself and all of that just 
all at once. That's, you know, a big transition right there. So anytime that there's these big external changes, and sometimes it's internal changes that a person will come to me to work through, you have to set up systems to to really care for yourself and to function as, as best as you can. Because something that I keep seeing lately on social media is a lot of neurodivergent individuals will be able to obtain work and they'll be able to work, but then they can't do anything else because they feel like the work takes all of their energy. But I do want people to know that once you set up systems to take care of yourself, you can have a life and work and be neurodivergent, autistic, ADHD, whatever your diagnosis may mm-hmm. be. You just need maybe a little help figuring out exactly how to do that. I and that's see. what I do. I and so um, would you say that it just depends like by person and like each person and each situation, some some of these um, systems that they come up with. Um, for for example, like people that are like in in that are like maybe fifteen to twenty or that to like twenty that are like in high school or college. Um, what are some of the examples? What are some examples of like? systems that they've been able to build and you've seen that it's been able to help that it's been helping them yeah definitely so for that age range um i always recommend having a set schedule actually for most age ranges i think for pretty much every age range i do recommend Mm -hmm. having a set schedule of at least the basic self-care stuff to start with you know so scheduling what time you're going to brush your teeth and wash your face, whether that's, you know, 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. every night, but doing it at the same time every single day, sometimes putting a sticky note up on your mirror in the bathroom that says, brush your teeth, wash your face, put your sunscreen on, you know, just having that visual aid. Sometimes people need pictures of Mm. the tasks that they need to do posted up in the bathroom for example, um, and then also having calendar, having calendars, and whether it's a physical calendar, a paper calendar, or a combination of a paper calendar and the calendar on your phone, and then also using reminders in addition to the calendar. There's a variety of different reminder apps that you can use, setting alarms in your phone for important meetings, important times you have to be somewhere, setting an alarm for before you have to be there. So you set an alarm for the time to leave mm-hmm. and then a reminder alarm for five minutes later if you haven't left mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. You know, see. just really setting up a structure that's that's fail-proof. Because if you have multiple reminders, then when your mind wanders, you get distracted or you're hyper-focused and that first one goes off and you silence it. If you have another one, it can kind of snap you out of it and remind you, oh yeah, I have somewhere I have to go and I need to leave now to get there. So reminders are really good, you know, pictures, um, lists, putting up sticky notes in places that you're commonly in to remind yourself to do tasks and then setting a specific schedule of when to do those tasks. And a sleep and wake schedule is also really helpful. I know it's 
super hard when you're in your teens and twenties, but if you can kind of have a ballpark sleep and wake schedule, it'll just make your life so much easier. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, both of the things you were talking about, uh, schedules and um, reminders, um, even like particularly visual reminders, uh, those have been helpful to me. Um, the, I'd say in the last few years when I started doing that more because I, I just started realizing that it was something that was helpful for me um, in terms of rem remembering things and like also having uh, a lot of alarms on my phone and, and there's sometimes that I'll, I would be um, with my mom and my sister and my alarms would keep going off and they would always get very confused about that and they would always wonder why I set so many alarms and I think back then I you know, because I think some of this I started doing it just intuitively without even thinking about it. Like, oh, I'm this is an accommodation that I'm making for myself for executive dysfunction or for like time blindness, perhaps. Um, I was just thinking about it as, oh, this is something that helps me remember to disappointment or remember to be on time or remember that I have to do this certain task uh, at this certain time um, and uh, so yeah that that's a, a, a very big one in terms of um, that I would I, I can attest to and I know that it won't not exactly every method is gonna work for everybody but I know that these are a couple things that have helped me um, a calendar, uh, you know, using my calendar a lot, um, even just on my phone. And then always like, as soon as I schedule something, even if it's like several weeks out, I'm already putting it on my calendar. And a lot of people might, you know, a lot of people might not understand. They might think that I'm like, you know, overdoing it or whatever, because to them, they don't, they don't usually need it, but you know, to me, um, it's it's helpful to to do that because I can easily forget, especially if it's something that I've scheduled out like two or three weeks out. I want to like remember like that it's I want to have it registered there because then if I like maybe one week later and I forgot to put it in, um, and uh. And then I'm not, I'm really not, I feel like then I'm really not going to remember. Um, so, yeah, so that's, you know, calendar, setting my, uh, putting it in my calendar. And then, of course, uh, visual reminders, like, uh, that can be really helpful as well, like post-its or just, like, putting things. Also, what I've found, something that I do sometimes, like, with mail that, that I need to open or, like, something that I need to get to um before I leave the house or whatever I'll remember like I'll put it in a strategic place that I know I'm gonna mm -hmm. see it before I leave or even like I I worked with someone um that used to put like they had piles of mail um like that they needed to get to and they they couldn't forget so they would literally like put it on the floor um so so they would like have so they couldn't like go buy it without stepping on it or whatever 
you know, or bumping into it, I guess. Um, and then remembering. And I always found that that was very interesting. And that was, I don't even know if this person was neurodivergent or not. But, and this was before I was really, I understood a lot about my own neurodiversity, but, uh, or accommodations. But I just always found that very fascinating how she did that, like by how she knew that that was going to remind her. It was just something that you don't usually think of or that not something that they would teach you in school or anything. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then um, with sleeping, uh, with sleep schedules, um, the other thing you mentioned, um, that's also been really helpful for me because I have struggled a lot uh, with um, insomnia um, over time, uh, particularly due to hyperactivity and like racing thoughts. And, you know, especially if you're having a, a lot of stuff going on in your week or whatnot, um, I, I know that sometimes it, it can keep us up at night. And then, so what's been really helpful, two things that have been really helpful with, with that um are having a schedule and like keeping it and so like even if I have a poor night's sleep um I wait I've I've realized that it's even though I could I might be really tempted to take a nap during the day if if it is better when I wait until like 9 or 10 p.m if I go go to bed at 10 I wait until 10 and then I sleep through the night and then I'm not like waking up in the middle of the night um, that's one thing that's been really helpful. Another thing for me particularly has been, um, only, um, only going to bed when I'm ready to go to bed because I used to like spend a lot of time in bed doing other things. And, um, I feel like that kept my mind and like activated. So it was harder to fall asleep. So that's been another thing that's been helpful um but yeah um anyways um i my next question is i guess more about like what are some in term now like cause since the last question was about uh like people that are in school um in terms of people that are a little bit older and that are per par possibly like entering the job market um what are some of the main things that they've struggled with and things that have been helpful for them? Yeah, so one of the common ones that I see um, is really just managing a schedule. And I think that's across the lifetime. So, you know, setting up your schedule strategically and time blocking can be really helpful. So literally scheduling everything you do from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep including meal breaks, including exercise, including time outdoors, and then structuring your physical environment in a way that's going to set you up for success. So packing and preparing your lunch the night before, if you're going to work and you want to take your lunch and having it in the fridge, ready to put in your cooler, putting whatever you need to take with you to work into a bag or a briefcase or backpack or whatever it may be and putting it by the door so it's ready to go so that everything is really just set up in advance and strategically prepared for you so that when you get up, especially if you're not a morning person, 
you just check off the boxes. You may even have a physical notepad or a checkoff list in your phone that you would check and go through that lunchbox, you know, purse, briefcase. So you remember to bring these things with you and they're already prepared the night before. And that can take a lot of pressure and stress off. It's just having a little bit of preparation in advance rather than kind of running around all frazzled in the morning and yeah. forgetting your lunch or mm -hmm. forgetting your phone or something like that. Yeah, I see. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and so, uh, um, something also that just kind of came to mind, um, and this might relate a little bit more to you as well, neurodivergent folks that are, that, that have small children and, and have to, um, you know, they have the challenge of parenting and self-accommodating at the same time, um, you don't need to talk about your personal experience, but like, what are some of the, like, have you also worked with clients that are parents and, and what are some of kind of the, the struggles and accommodations that, that they've, they've had? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's really challenging for a lot of people. Many of us are a part of the sandwich generation, which means that we have small children and aging parents. So there's a combination of taking care of your children and helping your parents through health challenges and natural aging processes. And so, you know, having the support system there, having relationships with people that you can turn to when you are feeling overwhelmed, you know, having friends, having a community that can support you, having childcare in place you know, and having backup childcare because things happen with, um, you know, people get sick and you might need to have a backup sitter at some point. So I always recommend that you have, you know, a couple of different forms of childcare. If your child is in childcare, you're working. Um, and again, you know, setting up your environment as much as you can for success. We have, um, I'll talk about my family a little bit, but we have a little routine or ritual in my family where at the end of the day, all the toys go back in baskets. Mm -hmm. So there's not just stuff everywhere. Mm -hmm. Toddlers have a way of spreading things across the entire house. Yeah. So we go around with baskets and we just sing a cleanup song and we clean everything up. Mm -hmm. And that just makes it nicer to wake up in the morning to this sort of clean, expansive environment rather than... Yeah. stepping on toys and things. Um, so again, really just having that preparation in place, having strong relationships with people that you can rely on that can be there to support you. Um, and having a little bit of a game plan in advance can help a lot. Yeah, I see. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I think, um, so we still have a little bit of time um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about another big thing that um, a lot of people in the neurodivergent community struggle with, which is food sensitivity and eating disorders. Um, what are some of the main 
challenges that you've seen with your clients like or if you if you have clients that that have talked about that um in terms of like eating disorders and what are some uh some of the strategies that have worked for them yeah so in our community of neurodivergent individuals there are same foods and safe foods and so you know those are the foods the same foods are the foods that are the same foods we eat all the time and the safe foods are the foods that we eat when we need to feel safe. So what I see frequently is those foods tend to be very um, wheat-based. I mean, it tends to be like bread, pasta, crackers, white foods Mm -hmm. generally are safe or same foods for a lot of people. So, you know, making sure that you're introducing a variety of food to yourself and to your family all the time, even if you have those specific safe or same foods that you want to have to also have the other food available so that you're not just eating the same thing all the time. Because if you're not getting a nutritional variety, if you're not getting all the nutrients that you could be getting by eating a variety of food, you're not going to feel very well. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes a vicious cycle. And when it comes to eating disorders, um, you know, I do see that quite frequently too. I mean, I see sometimes people are so stressed out. Sometimes my clients are so stressed out or so burnt out that they are not able to eat. They just feel a food aversion or um, it becomes like a hyperphagia thing where they just eat too much um, Mm. because eating can be a form of stimming for some of us. So it can help calm down the nervous system by chewing, in which case I would recommend, you know, chewing gum. That can be helpful. Um, Some people do use jewelry, even as adults, which is chewable jewelry. I see. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah. And, you know, working to manage your stress and to learn how to turn on your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest and the calming nervous system is going to really help you to be able to eat the food that you need to eat and to take care of yourself. I definitely don't specialize in eating disorders, but I do, I do see them and I do encourage my clients, you know, to, to get the, the help and support that they need. And it's always good to um, seek the advice of a, a mental health professional. If you're having, um, an eating disorder that's affecting your your life. I see. And I know that also a lot of um, the, the, the problems we have, uh, and I've come to discover this recently, but at least a lot of the struggles that I have and uh, with, with certain kinds of foods um, tend to be sensory related. And is that... Um, uh, and that was very interesting when I when I um, discovered that again. Then it just made so much sense. But it's never it's something that I never really thought of about like how the texture of certain foods in just is just so off putting. And it's like, and it wasn't really until I read it, uh, I started reading about. Um, it was when I read um, about other neurodivergent people that were talking about like this, like that they can't eat a certain food because if they try to eat it, they'll gag. And then I'm like, yes, that's exactly what happens to me with certain foods. And 
And then it's such a um, it, it's such an important thing to to highlight because I feel like it's one of those things that there's still so much uh, misunderstanding around in terms of people think that we don't want to eat certain foods just because we don't want to eat them, but it's like a literal painful sensory experience. So I guess it just highlights that um, how important it is to find a variety of safe foods, um, like, you, like you mentioned, foods that are not going to upset our sensory system and that are still, you know, varied enough that, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, that it doesn't lead to, to, to problems. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, that's, um, that's, yeah, smoothies can be great if you haven't tried smoothies yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, juice blends. Yeah. That can be a great way to get vegetables and fruits in, especially yeah. if you add apples or bananas, if you like those flavors mm-hmm. to your green juices, makes them taste good. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I did, um, smoothies, are, I like smoothies as well because they're, it's, you don't have like the sensory problems that you, that you get mm-hmm. otherwise. Um. Yeah, uh, so uh, another thing I wanted to touch on briefly since we still have a little bit of time, um, if it's okay with you, uh, is um, PMDD and um, that this, of course, being something that um, uh, affects neurodivergent people that are assigned female at birth. but and I do have several friends that have mentioned to me that they they struggle with it, and I know it's a big thing um, in the neurodivergent community. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about what kinds of uh, if you've had clients come to you with with um, with those problems and what's been helpful for them with that. Yeah, absolutely. So PMDD is postmenstrual, a premenstrual dysphoric disorder, um, and it's quite common in the neurodivergent community. I don't know the exact statistics on it, but it is rather common. Um, some of the treatments for it are, you know, using like an antidepressant medication the week before your period and during your period. Um, there's also holistic treatments that you can do, which is monitoring your diet and sort of avoiding like red meat and salty food right before your period, just tracking it and being aware of your cycles because women run on about a 28 to a 32 day cycle, whereas men run on a 24 hour cycle. So what do I mean by that? Um, A man's hormones will fluctuate in a 24 hour period through his entire cycle of hormones a woman's cycle of hormones is going to take 28 to 32 days, depending on the average length of your menstrual cycle. So um, if you're monitoring your cycle and you're aware of what phase of your cycle you're in, you can start to actually care for yourself by changing the foods that you're eating to support that phase of your cycle, choosing to do certain activities during phases, certain phases of your cycle. Like for example, um, doing a, a podcast like this would be ideal during my um, my ovulatory phase because that's when it's best to interact with others. And then um, 
say like if you're on your period, then you want to kind of take care of yourself more and spend more time, um, you know, resting and just really doing whatever it is that makes you feel good, whether that's, you know, spending time outdoors or um, getting additional rest or watching your favorite shows, but really understanding how your cycle works and the different fluctuations that you're going to have during that cycle um, and that it's over a period of weeks and it's not just necessarily one day can really be helpful for clients. I see. I see. Very, very good. Um, yeah, so I, of course I don't have um, lived experience to, to talk about with with um, with that one, but I know a lot of people that that um, you know would benefit from from this information. So um, thank you um, for for that as well. Uh, those are pretty much. All the questions I have for today, um, but I just wanted to say thank you again for coming on the podcast. Um, I hope uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. Um, uh, yeah, uh, thanks again, Michelle. I'm I'm awkward with goodbyes as a lot of us are, um, and. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, Thank you, George. It's yeah. been a pleasure to be here. I appreciate yeah. it. And if you want to learn more about um, the your 28-day cycle, if you're female, 28 mm -hmm. to 32-day cycle, check out Alyssa VT. She has some books on that, and that can be really helpful. Fantastic. Well, thanks. Thank you again, Michelle. Um, and, yeah, we will see each other on the, on the online verse. Yeah. Awesome. Thank right. you so much for having me on. If you're yes. looking to work with me or get to know me a little better, you can find me at michellemarkman.com or I'm also on Facebook and TikTok. Yes, I'll be, I'll be linking um, Michelle's website and TikTok as well. Um, Thank you. All right. Um, perfect. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll see you next time.